This is Laura Deardo with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Raymond Lowe, Senior Vice President and Chief Information Officer at Altamed. Raymond is also a HIMSS 2023 Changemaker of the Year awardee in the senior executive category. Ray, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Laura. Thank you to Becker's for including me today. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about, and I'm especially excited to hear your opinions and thoughts on the big things happening in health IT. But before we dive into that discussion, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background for the broader audience? Yeah, sure. So, um, so I have over 25 years of healthcare experience. Uh, I've worked for many of the large systems, uh, Kaiser Permanente, Providence, and Dignity Health, and currently Since 2018, I've been the uh, Senior Vice President and Chief Information Officer for Ultimate Health Services. Uh, We are a a mid-sized provider in Los Angeles, California, and we're primarily a Medicaid provider. So we serve the um, underserved communities, primarily Latino, multi-ethnic, Medicaid patient population. And uh, we think about the health equity area and where the opportunities, um, those are the patients that we serve. That's amazing. And what a great mission and calling to be able to provide care for those types of patients and people who really need it and, and very much could benefit from uh, that type of care and healthcare in general. So thank you so much for jumping on the line with us. And given that perspective, what opportunities do you see coming down the pipe as well as big headwinds that you have your eye on right now? Yeah, I, you know, in terms of the opportunities and headwinds, um, you know, for me, the calling of healthcare you know, and the quadruple aim doesn't change, you know, really focusing on superb patient outcome and experience is really paramount. From an opportunity perspective, people often go technical, and and I would say, you know, we really need to do much more in terms of mining the data, whether you do this for risk, quality, AI to facilitate clinical decision-making, you know, and aligning overall organization performance but what more importantly on that data is data without action is just data. So I think organizations need to look at what are really the prime optimizations that we can do to really driving more of a unified practice. To me, it's somewhat back to basics as we're measuring against what are the national measurements? How are we working to achieve those? Where do we need to close those gaps? Where do we need to train? Where do we need to get better? you know, in terms of how we're helping folks. Generally, when people look at technology solutions, you know, technology and workflow is about 15% of it, and 85% is really the people. So it's really how do we, you know, improve our people adoption? How do we make it easier? How do we have them abandon um, bad habits or things they will not be willing to get loose from their hold on and really, you know, transform to embrace how we support them? That's amazing. And, you know, really, it seems like a lot of opportunity out there to grow and develop within that space. And, um, you know, it's exciting to hear some of the things that have worked well for you at Altamed and and really, um, you know, be areas and avenues that other healthcare executives can keep their eye on and and potentially implement um, within their systems as well. Now, when you think about growth and development, how are you seeing Altamed grow um, within that patient population? And really, you know, how can health IT, the department that you work with, really continue to add value to the organization? Yeah, so that's all, that's a great question. Growth, um, 
there are many variables that contribute to growth, and it's not just necessarily about um, growing new numbers. I mean, we do measure right by how much we are improving or adding on in there, but we also have to consider factors that support your baseline. So when you look at your patient retention, you know, how are we delighting our patients with quality health care, and more importantly, that we know you and we care about you. Uh, you know, we look to build ties uh, across family practice, pediatrics, geriatrics, to our patients uh, and to their families so that they feel that, you know, they have trusted care, and that really solidifies the base of who you're serving. You know, another uh, dimension of growth is how do we provide more care and ensuring that practice, practitioners are practicing at the top of their license, that the right care is provided at the right time. And, again, that is, you know, really – helping folks understand how to better use tools, giving them um, productivity areas, you know, looking at alternative multi-modes of patient visits. We've all talked about televideo. Televideo is here. Televideo opens up access. It opens up convenience as well, and, and it should maintain and being part of it. But there are other things that can happen there, such as nurse visits that will, you know, free up a provider or, um, you know, a physician to do other things. So really ensuring that we leverage um, our technology tools uh, to their limits to allow folks to practice at the top of their license, and then um, you know really providing that patient-centered care to them when they want it and how they want it. I mean, if you think about it, if you had to go into the doctor recently, and I was talking to my wife about this, and you know she just had to do a screen, and I said, well, why don't you just do a video visit? You know, she's like, well, I need to go see him. I said, well, you're really busy, and you can do a video visit from your car, from your office, or wherever you are out in the field to address, you know, a, a review of your lab results versus taking out two hours. So, I mean, these are simple things, right, that we look at in terms of, you know, helping to maintain, you know, a basis. I think the other areas we look to grow is where are you in the community? How, is, how are you uh, supporting the community as well, um, health systems are always very highly regarded in there, but you know, our mission is beyond just healing people. It's about really improving the overall health of the communities that we serve. And that's so fascinating to hear. And I love that story about your wife. I think we can all relate to that in terms of, you know, just trying to uh, connect with the loved ones that we have and make sure that they're, um, you know, doing the things that, and taking advantage of the opportunities available, whether it's telehealth or, you know, using the right sites of care, um, just to really make sure they're in the right spot. So um, I love that. And when you think about, too, reaching out to the community and making sure that everyone knows the services you have available um, and improving the overall wellness with some of the great programs. What uh, has really worked well for you to spread that message and um, gain traction for some of the different programs that you have? I can imagine it's not always easy um, to reach, you know, the audience and the community at large. So, uh, you know, I'd love to hear anything from you in ways that you've been able to really um, make that connection and make a difference. Yeah. So, um, you know, so again, there, there are a number of community-based organizations, and, um, you know, at our core, ultimate is an FQHC, Federally Qualified Healthcare Center, in there, and um, FQHCs were developed in order to provide care in the, in the healthcare deserts, uh, whether it be inner city or whether it be rural, and really looking at the uninsured, the underinsured, and, and providing primary care services. So, you know, that being said, and... Um, if you 
overlay, they have a social vulnerability index. It's called an SVI that actually does a zip code mapping. And if you look at how are you involved in there, how are you involved with the churches, how are you involved in the community events, um, and, I'm, and I'm proud that Ultimad has a strong presence in those. But the other areas is because we are um, really supporting a lot of the Latino uh, communities that are happening out there across the state of California. And um, there was a program that we instituted uh, called Mi Volta Mi Salute, which means my vote, my health. And we, sh we cr actually did the uh, creation of the, the, the commercials to help uh, the outreach program for Mi Volta Mi Salute, My Vote, My Health. And the tagline on it was, Andale Carasperza, hurry up, what are you waiting for? in there and it really resonated uh wealth community it's a lot of door-to-door -door, right in terms of knocking and educating um i guess that's so you know citizens of the area on their rights and what they need to know about and how they need to know about and where they need to go to to help them so it's you know really creating that fabric of safety that fabric of knowledge the fabric of resource and, and really trust so that um you know the community at large views the organization in a very, very favorable way, and yes, they're going to take care of me, and that they know me, and I can trust them. That's amazing, and, and really, that personal connection um, makes such a big difference, and in is so important. Although I know it takes a lot of time and effort and energy. And speaking of some of those resources, whether financial or you know the time of the workforce and the energy of everybody involved within Ultimate, uh, you know. All of those resources are scarce, especially um, right now in healthcare. So, you know, when you think about um, taking a step forward, I guess, what do you feel like is one risk or investment that is really worth making this year? Yeah, I, I, I'm a big proponent of data and data analytics. Uh, again, I kind of said it before, if you have data without action, just have data. You know, but I think there's a large opportunity, right, really to unlock what's in the structured and unstructured data. You know, there's ML and AI programs out there. And we can use that information, you know, to provide a more personalized um, experience for the patient. Uh, in particular, if we focus on social determinants of health, SDOH, uh, you know, it's, we, we, again, the patient population we serve, and there's a program in California called CalAIM, ECM, Enhanced Care Management, and it's really focused on the top 5% utilizers of Medicaid services in the state, and we, and we have a patient population cohort that we are providing the care for. You know, what we've found is that before we can help them or address them clinically, we really need to be aware of what their food insecurity, what their homelessness, behavioral health, how we need to help them with these, and then helping them with the clinical needs, because in order to really improve a patient's life, we need to change their lifestyle. We need to help them change their lifestyle. So if you or the patient is um, feeling threatened in any of these areas, of course, you know, they're not going to be medically adherent, despite how we, um, you know, outreach to them. And when I talk about data, and we talk generally about um, SDOH and those categories, but more importantly is how do we get to PDOH, which I'll call personal determinants of health, and that's really you know ta tailoring it to the person. I'll, I'll give you one more example. 
If you look at, um, if somebody says that they uh, have housing insecurity, that can be interpreted in many ways. Uh, one person could have be receiving a 30-day late, right? The other person could be, I'm living in a garage and now I've been evicted. And that's a pretty broad spectrum, right? So how do we understand, you know, how to help the patient? Um, I, I think, you know, another area, I'm going to be a little bit controversial here. You know, there's a lot of talk on chat GBT, uh, which looks really interesting and in that it can help us learn around there. And I, I think that there's an opportunity, you know, for large academic medical centers and large systems to really blaze the trail and find ways to effectively use these technologies. Um, you know, where I said I would, I would, I'm interested in them. But, uh, you know, Judy Foster for Epic is always clear at Epic UGM saying you need to imitate to innovate and that it really works in there. So, um, you know, focusing really on what we, what we need to do, not necessarily um, diverting resources, you know, to the newest thing. Some things to be shaken out as we move ahead. But, again, to me it's really on the data, using the data, applying the data, and making it meaningful. Absolutely. That's so fascinating to hear. And I know things are, are changing so quickly with the technology and artificial intelligence in particular, um, you know, just really accelerating in the last few months, even um, what's possible for people to do in, in with that type of technology. And I know in healthcare too, as you mentioned, uh, many have their eye on, you know, what, what applications could be had for healthcare and where it makes sense um, and really making sure that the technology is applied safely and ethically, um, you know, which will be, I, I'm certain, a, a conversation debate that'll go on for a while here. Yeah, I, I, maybe a lot of folks may be giving me like a thumbs down on my, you know, on the, on the chat <laughs> GBT because so, everybody's talking about it, right, in there, you know, but, it's, you know, what do we really need to be effective to do it? I'm sure chat GBT will help us. You know, but uh, we don't want to take the eye off, you know, the quadruple aim and really what we need to do for patients. Right, exactly, exactly. You know, with that focus on the prize, especially for the quality care and, and what can really make a difference, um, you know, I, I think you're absolutely correct. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, I just have one more question for you. Where do you see some of the best opportunities for growth in the future? I know we've talked through a lot of different areas, the data analytics, the connecting with the community and continuing to expand access to care. Um, is there anything else that you see as being a really great opportunity for uh, Ultimate as well as uh, the, the IT team that you're working with to really make a difference? Yeah, I think I'll speak more generally to what's happening um, in California, if you don't mind. So, um, and I'll talk more about the Medicaid market, which is, is really not broadly understood. Uh, again, many health systems are dealing with private insurance, self-pay, or Medicare-type programs, and um, they will, you know, do some Medicaid work, um, but it doesn't necessarily always provide the financial benefit um, to these organizations. But within California, from 2010 to 2020, there were about seven and a half million in 2010 in Medi-Cal enrollment. And in 2020, there were over 13 million people um, enrolled in Medi-Cal. And then in 2022, um, Gavin Newsom provided Medicaid insurance to anybody in California over the age of 55, independent of, of uh, immigration status, meaning if you were a DACA or an illegal that you could actually receive care in California. In 2024, this is going to be further expanded 
to any individuals from 26 to 49, and specifically, say, within our specific market in Los Angeles and Orange County, you know, we're forecasting that there are an additional 700,000 lives um, that will be able to achieve Medi-Cal in there. And so we're looking at, you know, that as being a, a growth opportunity, um, you know, clearly, but we want to ensure that, you know, we provide, again, the proper quality of care with the right presence within there. Medicaid varies from state to state. And uh, what's happening in California is not what's happening in Texas, what's not happening in New York. So, um, you know, depending upon the state that folks are in, right, they should understand the regulations. And I really think that uh, health systems on the primary care side need to figure out how they can leverage this growing Medicaid population and uh, deliver the care uh, with, again, the reimbursement models or the reimbursement models need to change in those states so that, again, we do close the health equity gap. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And it's just so helpful to understand. I know there's a lot going on um, nationally, as well as on the state level, like you mentioned, um, for with Medicaid. And so it's great to know uh, what California has been up to and really, you know, what opportunity there is there. Um, and, and thank you so much for jumping in and talking through that. And Ray, I so appreciate you being on the podcast today. This has been a really fun discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Uh, Laura, thank you for your time. And thank you for including me.